Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we share the journey of a woman who transformed her life completely after a devastating loss, and while searching for something more, finds something that brought her life into alignment. We follow her as she explores different naturopathic and holistic modalities, finally connecting with her inner voice. You're going to learn how you too can find that peace and purpose. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About Finding Your Inner Voice. My guest in this episode is Kim Kogani. She is a successful entrepreneur, a specialized life coach, and a survivor and a podcast host. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. You know, you've had an amazing journey um, from what I have found and to where you came from and where you're at now. Yeah, it's been quite a journey so far. I'm still quite young. Um, But yeah, I feel like I've had kind of that closing of like, phase one of my life, and I'm excited to move into what's next for me. The next one. Let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. And um, I think that Alaska is such a unique place to grow up. I definitely took just nature and the beauty of the natural environment for granted. I didn't know just how unique that was until I left and returned. Um, And I just think that Alaska is an isolated place. And I think because of that isolation from the rest of the U.S., um, you just form a certain kind of connection and community with the people around you. Oh, absolutely. I I didn't come from Alaska, and I appreciate the beauty of Alaska, but um, I'm originally from Colorado. And we lived up in the mountains about 8,500 feet in a small town of about 19,000 people. So, you know, we knew everybody and the kids went to school with everybody from elementary school all the way through. So I understand that. Yeah, Yeah, I love that, that small town environment. And I grew up in kind of the largest city in Alaska, but still like, you know, I, every time we would go to the grocery store or I'd go to the bookstore, I was just out and about. I always ran into someone I knew. I went to school with the same folks from kindergarten to graduating from high school. And every time that I meet someone you know, while traveling or just where I live now, um, as soon as I say, you know, I'm from Alaska, if they know someone or are from there as well, we have this instant connection that I find really valuable. That's pretty cool. That my, I have relatives actually that live in Alaska and some relatives that were born in Alaska and some are still there. Some are now in Tennessee and Texas. Oh, that's awesome. So what was your family like? Yeah. So, um, I have a younger sister. I, I'm five years older than her. And our family was pretty close. I actually, my lineage is from, um, I'm half Japanese American. And so I spent a lot of time just juggling the two different cultures of being, you know, half Asian and then half white and just both the the similarities and the dissonance between the two. And Um, I had a really close bond with my grandparents who were interned in during World War II in internment camps in Idaho. That's actually where they met. And so I really believe in just generational trauma and how those things can be passed down both, you know, consciously and subconsciously. And I feel like that that trauma and that silencing um, definitely had an impact on how 
they raised my father and how then my father raised me. And just that disconnection from where I came from has always just made me curious and wanting more. And about four years ago, I went to Tokyo for the first time and I just felt like I had found a piece of myself that had been lost. And so I think that's a really big part of my story is just the disconnection between where I came from and kind of the the mixture of different cultures and different race that lives inside of me. Yeah, I can imagine. And the intergenerational trauma is something that's, that's kind of it's been around for a little while, but it's really getting more exposure now. People are finding that that intergenerational trauma carries forward through several generations of family. For sure. And I think like it's carried both inside of us and then just how we show up in the world. So what happened to my grandparents um, in, impacted and influenced who they became and how they showed up in the world and how they treated others. And then, you know, that kind of gets passed down through the family line. Yeah, that's unfortunate too. And, and I'm sure that's part of how you um, found a new path, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but you you sought out a new path so that you can help get your soul more in alignment. Yeah. And I've always been just in pursuit of doing things, you know, that are true to me. And I think one of the wonderful things about my family and where I came from is that they all kind of pursued their own journey. So starting with my paternal grandparents, you know, they met in internment camp. And then shortly after they got out, they had my dad and then in the Seattle area, and then they just moved to Alaska kind of out of nowhere. And my grandfather ended up purchasing a business and starting his entrepreneurial journey that my dad then took over. So I've always had that modeled for me of like, you can work for yourself, you can build something from nothing. And then... On my mother's side, my my maternal grandparents were also entrepreneurs. They owned like a carpet business. And then when my mom turned 18, she moved out of the house. And then she, on a whim, a few years later, just moved up to Alaska after being born and raised in Oregon. So she kind of has that independent spirit as well. So I think that I was definitely influenced by what was modeled for me growing up. Which is, I mean, it's got it's positive too. And I think, to me personally, I think getting um, going through that multicultural aspect too, I think is important in your upbringing because you combining two cultures like that, uh, um, you have to try to embrace both of them at the same time. Yeah, I always say that I feel like I'm both and neither, and I think that feeling of otherness of not really seeing you know, people who are similar to me or who look like me or who come from that kind of mixed background um, has always made me feel kind of like an outsider, which I think has deepened my desire to find alignment, to figure out who I am and what I want and how I show up in the world. It's something that really drives me. That's a positive thing. Did you go to university? I did. So I went to school in Oregon at a small liberal arts college, and I had intended to um, eventually go to architecture school, but I ended up majoring in math and French, which is um, kind of random. But what ended up happening is I got to university. Those are two things that I was really passionate about. And then my junior year, I decided to study abroad and I went to Paris and 
that's where I really fell in love with traveling and seeing the world and trying to understand people who are different from me. So then when I came back, I just felt like it was really important to continue studying the French language. And then when I graduated, I actually went back to France for a year and taught English in elementary schools through a program through the French government. Oh, that's amazing. What That's an amazing journey, actually. The French, I understand. The math, <laughs> that, that was not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I really feel like um, math is for everyone. It's You just have to stick with it long enough to find your niche because it's such a vast category. And I think like what I really learned and what I loved about studying mathematics was just how applicable it it actually is to daily life, like that critical thinking skill, building an argument, proving something and learning how to build the foundations of a belief system. That's a unique way of looking at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got a master's degree, so I, and a bachelor's degree in business. So I had to go through a lot of math. So I think, I think more, mine's more a PTSD from, from all the intense classes and those professors. See, Definitely. I feel like business has all of the like not fun math classes. I really yeah. loved all of the like abstract, almost like philosophical classes and not so much like the plug and chug equation side of things. I'm going to remember that statement. Thank you. I'm going to use that with my daughters <laughs> next time. <laughs> uh, you had a, you had created a, uh, a successful business. I think it was jewelry business, correct? Yes. So my love for jewelry started when I was actually about seven years old. So growing up, my mom was super crafty. Um, you know, living in Alaska, the, the winters are long and there's, you know, if you don't love skiing and ice skating and being outside in the snow and in the dark, there's really not much for you. So um, my mom really showed me how to like create things and to spend time inside. And there was just a lot of free time when it was cold and dark and I learned how to make things. And so when I was seven, she started to sell her designs. She made like dried floral arrangements and like birdhouses and some like other whimsical stuff. Um, but I would go with her to like my elementary school and watch her set up her booth and sell things. And then I would just make bracelets or whatever I could out of whatever was at home. And I would try selling them too. So that was kind of my first taste. And then fast forward when I was 15, I actually got my first job at a bead store, um, not even working for money. It was like literally just for store credit, but that's where my passion really began. And I watched everyone who came in and I watched the owner and how she made things. And that's when I started to see how to put things together and how jewelry can tell a story. So then when um, I got back from France after teaching English, I ended up back in Oregon, um, just a little bit outside of where I went to school. And this was right around when the recession hit. So there were no jobs. And I went back to old places that I worked at in college, and they were just like, we're not hiring. And I ended up working at a call center, which is one of the most eye-opening and challenging jobs I've ever experienced. And during that time, I realized that Talking on the phone, you know, day in, day out in a call center format was not for me and that I couldn't see myself in any sort of corporate environment. Um, it really just 
didn't fit with who I was. And so I sat down at a restaurant one day and I kind of just listed out all of the skills I had, you know, can do math, can speak French, can make jewelry. And jewelry is the thing that stuck out to me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make some things and see what happens. So I made some things. I kind of tapped into that knowledge from going to craft shows with my mom. And I signed up for craft shows, made a booth, and I just sold what I had and listened to what people had to say about it and if they liked it. And, you know, that started to grow. And then after a year of working full time and working on this jewelry business, I was able to quit the job at the call center and do jewelry full time. So then... I just kind of signed up for different national markets and I traveled, I sold online. Um, That's right when social media started to kind of be a thing, like Instagram was created and I was starting to get traction and I was able to grow the business. I was able to get a little office space. Um, I sold my jewelry to different small boutiques across the US and it kind of became an actual like thing. And so after doing that for about five years, um, I decided that I was ready to kind of up-level what I was doing and I wanted to kind of grow it and see, see see where I could get with it. And so that's when I decided to pack up like my apartment and my studio and move from Portland up to Seattle um, because I saw Seattle as a bigger city there were more, you know, people in corporate life, so more people with disposable income and fewer handmade offerings. And so I could see myself really fitting in, finding a place and, you know, filling a need in an untapped market. Yeah, that's, I mean, what a journey. I mean, that's, I, I like the fact that you, um, you sat down, well, as we said earlier about the critical thinking skills, you sat down and you evaluated your options based upon those skills and found out this is what I do best and this is what I have a passion for, which I think helps you to find yourself now a little bit. One thing that I think is not talked about enough in the world of entrepreneurship is that when you're running your own business, you it, it requires you to really dig deep and figure out who you are. You have to face any sort of shadow self, anything that you've avoided in your life, any traumas. It all really comes to the surface and it manifests in your business. Now, your business was successful for about 10 years. Yeah, so I had it for 10 years. I grew it from just a solo operation, just me to having a physical manufacturing space with employees. And then I eventually opened two retail shops in Seattle. That that kind of grew pretty quickly. That's actually outstanding. But something devastating kind of happened to that business, correct? They kind of put you in a new direction? Yeah. So um, in 2019, I opened my second store in Seattle. And that store had been open for, I think, like three or four months. And one day... And I remember it was October of 2019, uh, my store got broken into and they stole, I think, like over 2,000 pieces of jewelry. Yeah, it was, it was like, um, if, if you don't mind me saying, I did a, a little bit of research and background. Yeah. On it. it was like $52,000 worth of jewelry. 
Yeah. And so that was so devastating. I mean, these were all pieces that really, you know, the handmade market, I wasn't making fine jewelry. It was quality materials, but the value of the pieces were really in like the design and the heart of, you know, the, the passion that goes into making each piece. So they're not something that like you could really take to a pawn shop or sell like the, the value was really in like the story behind the pieces. And I think that was the hardest part was that this was months and months of work and it happened right before the holiday season. And so there was really no way to recover from that. And so it was, it was tough. It was a huge violation. I had a hard time sleeping. Um, I, you know, the video of them breaking in just would replay over and over in my head. And that was just, it was a really difficult time. But what I learned after was that it was actually a blessing because what ended up happening during the holiday season is that it was just a really wonky year and people just weren't really spending the kind of money that they normally were. So it was a slow, difficult holiday season for me. And I ended up getting an insurance check for all of the stolen goods and that's what carried me through. So it was a true blessing at what point after that did you decide to embark on a, like a new journey in finding yourself? Was that the catalyst? It was like one of the, I think, a contributing factor. And, you know, the the last, I would say, three years of the business, like my heart wasn't really in it, but I didn't know it yet. So shortly after that happened, um, you know, the pandemic hit and I was forced to close the both of my retail locations and just focus on online and wholesaling And what I learned during that time of pause was that I didn't want to open back up the stores. Like even if I could, I kept postponing it. And then in the fall of 2020, um, on a whim, I kind of signed up for this class learning. It was called inner voice facilitation training. So it was learning how to connect people to their intuition or their inner voice and facilitate these sessions. And just in the first two weeks of that program, I connected to my own inner voice and realized that I wanted to close my jewelry business, that it was no longer serving me. And really what had been keeping me going was this idea that I needed to provide jobs for people. And so once I realized that it was no longer in alignment with who I was becoming, I let my staff go and I closed up the stores and sold everything and moved on. I mean, realizing that there was a fork in the road, so to speak, and you knew that this was not your your path any longer. um, Was it kind of relieving that you were able to let that go and then start embarking on this other journey? Yeah, I think when I made the decision, I remember just kind of like sitting with it, you know, talking to my best friend, talking to my sister, you know, talking to my parents, um, and just figuring out what was next. I, um, I just realized it was no longer my dream. And it was hard like that. You know, I, I thought back to the 24 year old me who was so excited and was so passionate and her dream was to have a physical store, to have a staff, to help people, to provide jobs. And, you know, I did all of those things. And once I, what I realized was that that was no longer my dream. 
that I had become a different person than that 24 year old and it was okay to let it go. But it really was, I call it like, it was like the death of my dream, but it was even deeper than that. It was really almost like an ego death um, because I, I had poured so much of myself into the business. I felt really lost for, for the time after, after closing. How long was it before you, you said you had gone to the classes for the inner voice. Was mm-hmm. that, that was why you were still owning the shop? And, and yeah. that's what helped you to discover you wanted to let it go? Yeah. So I was doing this inner voice training. And during that process, I made the decision to close the business. And I took about three or four months um, to close everything down to kind of sell through inventory, sell everything. So I was simultaneously doing this inner voice facilitator training. And it was a, a really, it was a roller coaster for sure. One more thing before you go is sponsored in part by Superpass. Take your business online create a website and an iOS and Google app designed specifically to instantly share your content and get paid for it. The tools you need to grow your online business, share your offline skills online, Superpass allows you to build on your customer relationships. You keep 100% of your money, you get personal branding, and it it is cost-effective. It's more than just a website. Get started with Superpass. Find the link in the show notes. This is a fantastic opportunity to have a Netflix-style app with video, podcasts, audio, articles, blogs, everything in one place, beautifully curated, all in the palm of your hand. Please check out Superpass. It's a brilliant opportunity to stay connected. I'm sure that I, I'm sure that would be kind of a well. I can I can relate to it to a point. Um, from my own personal experiences, because I, I was forced, I was forced to leave my job in law enforcement because of an injury. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went through a different kind of uh, anger and depression and um, sadness of having to let that go. But then once I let that go, I was able to open up myself into, hey, I've got these other opportunities. And that was including documentary filmmaking and then podcasting. Yeah, I think um, it's so interesting because especially in American culture, we place so much emphasis on our career. And then once we shift or it gets taken away from us or we decide to move on, there is a big loss that we have to grieve. And I think I was, I felt adrift for a while. I mean, even now, I still am not entirely sure what's what's next. Um, and I'm honestly contemplating just kind of leaving the idea of a career behind. And I've just been asking myself more like, what is my purpose? And why, when I think of my purpose, do I automatically think, what do I need to do to earn money? Which I think is such an interesting question. Well, I think the dynamic in today's society is the first thing that you have to do is pay the bills and you have to I mean, we're taught as as children, we're taught, and we watch our parents pay the bills, pay the house payment, pay the rent, pay the utilities. You, you know, it's kind of indoctrinated into us as we grow up. And I think that's where you said earlier, and the focus becomes more along the line of what career are you going into? How much money are you going to make? Are you going to pay your bills? Are you going to stay on track? Are you going to spend 20 or 30 years there and retire? and then collect a pension 
instead of looking outside the box and saying, what makes me happy? Yeah, for sure. And I think um, what's so interesting is along my entrepreneurial journey, people who worked for others would always say to me, you know, I really wish I could do that, but like I need the security of, you know, my job or whatever it is. And, you know, to me, I was like, your, your job, you're working for someone else is really just perceived safety and security. That person, that company can let you go at any time. Things can change at any moment. So I was pretty accustomed to just riding the, the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. And it was really important to me to kind of have control over what I was doing. And, you know, I trusted in myself that like, I was the most capable of, of keeping myself safe and like finding money to like pay the bills and whatnot. Is that part of your inner voice training? Yeah. I think the, the inner voice training is really just connecting to that knowing that lives inside of you. And we all have it. We all have access to it. And I think the greatest takeaway from, from that training was learning that I already know what's best for me. It's more about unlearning all of the things that, you know, other people tell me that I learned in my family system that society tells me on a daily basis and going inward and finding that like all of the wisdom I need to make the choices to live my life are inside of myself because no one knows me as well as I know myself. Would you say then that it's similar to um, trusting our intuition? Yeah, it's exactly that. I think inner voice is just another way to say intuition or higher self, just whatever that inner knowing is that, you know, that feeling, you know, you get in your body, like the tingles, the excitement, or, you know, the gut feeling of, ooh, I really shouldn't do that. Or, wow, that person is really interesting to me. I'm drawn to them. It's it's that feeling. Well, it is. And that how does um I know that you explored things like um yoga mm-hmm. and you explored um, some other holistic kind of meditative practices how how does that play into this? Yeah, I've been just kind of experimenting um a bunch and yoga I think kind of opened my mind up to the possibility of exploring things that maybe I couldn't see with my eyes and I think yoga is a really great modality to kind of quiet the mind and bring stillness so that you're able to connect to that inner knowing. Um, Same with like, I studied Reiki, which is energy healing. Um, So just tapping into what's going on inside of your body to feel into wherever you, you know, you get those, those little pings of like, I should do this or I shouldn't do that. Um, Can you help? I I mean, I know what Reiki is, but can you help our listeners understand what Reiki is? Sure. So Reiki is an energy healing modality that originates from Japan. And it's this idea that we can, that energy is all around us and we can tap into the energy that's in the world to heal our energy that's within. And so an energy healing session can actually happen remotely. You don't even have to be in the same room with someone because it's all about visualization, focusing and sending the energy to whoever needs healing. That's very interesting. Um, How would you compare that to something like acupuncture? Um, Other than what you just said about being remote, because obviously acupuncture can't be remote. Yeah, that's so funny. I actually just had my very first acupuncture session this week, and it felt really 
really similar. Like during the session, I could feel the energy moving through my body. And I think it's just a different modality to work on energy and each kind of flavor of healing, I think brings its own uniqueness to it, but it's all, I mean, it's all the same. It's all moving energy and healing energy and using different modalities to tap into what's going on in our physical body. Yeah, I think that people, um, they've learned through at least this podcast that our bodies are made up of energy and we can call upon that at any time. Some people call it chi. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there are lots of different modalities that I still want to explore, but I think just at the basis, it does have to do with our energy. What, you know, what energy is in our body, the energy that's around us, what drives us, what lights us up, how we, you know, expend our energy and how we interact with the world. Well, that also positive and negative energy, negative mm -hmm. energy can make us ill, can can um, make us sick, can make us, the anger and the resentment can build up and, and that's how people can get uh, diseases and I mean, it goes on and on. That'd be a whole another conversation. Yeah, I could talk about energy forever. Yeah, it's, I I, I do acupuncture and um, I my wife actually, I have tattoos where all the little needles go and I manage my rheumatoid arthritis with acupuncture. Um, well, diet, exercise, and acupuncture and qigong. Uh, That's actually. amazing. So it and no no medication, no medication. Um, so I understand it, and some of my listeners have understood it. So how long has this journey been taking you? How long have you been on it? So I started Inner Voice um, kind of in the fall of 2020, and I had connected to to that knowing throughout my life, it would come in like flashes or little messages or just kind of knowings. Um, I always kind of lived my life through gut feelings. Um, but I think that this training that I went through was such, it was just a really potent process and it really connected to me to, to that knowing. And I was just in a place where I was able to just be more open and receptive to what was happening. So in regard to this this journey that you've taken, how has it benefited you? Yeah, I think just overall, I'm more content. I feel just more at peace on a daily basis. And recently I've had experiences of just like taking my dog for a walk or, you know, walking to Puget Sound and seeing the the water and just feeling the the connection to the universe, to earth to my ancestors. I just feel so deeply connected now to, to all those things that I can't really see and just being so grateful for this experience and knowing that this human experience is really just, it's supposed to be kind of like a roller coaster. It's fun, you're safe. And I think that there's been a certain amount of surrender that's happened where I don't feel the need to control everything in my life. And I'm just more open to receiving and to experiencing things that maybe I didn't know I wanted. Um, for example, recently I moved and I was really looking for like a single family home. I wanted that. I wanted a yard. I had a very specific vision for how it was supposed to look. And 
I really wanted to move. It wasn't flowing. It wasn't flowing. And I ended up doing an energy clearing in my apartment. And part of that was just kind of writing a letter to the space and saying, thank you for, you know, for giving me a home for the past three years. And when I wrote it, I kind of was meaning to set an intention to stay in that space because I had kind of let go of moving. And after I finished, I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a goodbye letter. Like, am I moving? And then I woke up the next day and I looked on Zillow, which is just like a personal passion of mine. I love looking at empty spaces. Kind of goes back to that past of like wanting to be an architect. Um, And I found this townhouse and I was looking at it and I was like, this is such a beautiful space for someone. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was actually my perfect space. And, you know, fast forward, I ended up moving into it and I didn't know that I wanted to live in a townhouse, but it's exactly what works for me. That's the power of manifestation. For sure. Yeah, I believe oh, in manifestation. Yeah, yeah we, we did that with the, our current home, actually, because we had to bring my father-in-law up down from Colorado. They say up, but we're down, there up. We had to bring my father-in-law to take care of him down here, and we needed a... We needed a very unique house in order to take care of him. So um, we were visualizing something we could do that in, and we stumbled upon a next-generational home. They call it next-generational home, and it basically is designed for a multi-generation. So it has this little own little apartment, so to speak, attached to the house, where it gave him his privacy, gave us our privacy while we took care of him. It gave us the opportunity to take care of him. and we manifested it 100%. We said, this is what we want. This is what we need. We uh, looked at a few other houses and then we said, this doesn't work. And we got heard of this place. We walked in and we found this is what we want. We want another corner. We want this. We want nobody behind us. And the guy said, I have the house that you need. And we drove up here and said, this is our house. And That's amazing. Yeah, within three, within, well, within three months, we had his house sold our house sold, and this one bought. Wow, that's such a cool story. And I'm only sharing that not to override your story, just to show the power that you have within yourself to believe in what you want and how to manifest what you want like you did and, and like we did. Yeah, manifestation is so powerful. I've been kind of toying with different ways of what I can manifest into my life. Um, And it actually is, it's such a valuable tool. And I think people don't realize that if you get really clear and focused on what it is that you want, you can call it in and you can manifest it. It might not look exactly how maybe your mind imagined it, but that feeling will be there. And I think that's the most important part of manifestation is feeling into, you know, how, how do I want to feel in my new home? You know, how do I want to wake up every day? You know, for me, it was, I want to wake up and feel like I want the light pouring in. I want, you know, to, to feel protected. And, you know, I like to sleep up high, which is one of the reasons why I think this townhouse works for me is my bedroom's on the third floor. It's, um, it gets a ton of light. It's super bright. Um, 
And so just thinking about like those desires and those feelings and focusing less on like, I want it to be blue or I want carpet or I want hardwood floors, but thinking about the feelings and those details of like, how do I want to experience whatever I'm calling into my life? That's what's most important. And that's part of listening to your inner voice, right? Yeah, my inner voice actually guided me to this townhouse. It kind of was a a little zigzaggy path. Like for a while, I thought I was actually going to leave the country and maybe travel. Um, And what's interesting about following inner voice is, you know, inner voices are non-physical beings. And so to them, you know, things don't have to actually manifest in physical reality to be real. So, you know, my inner voice was like, we want you to to think about like moving abroad, perhaps. Um, and so I imagined that life. I did the research. I looked at Airbnbs um, and it never happened, but it did come to a realization, you know, from the perspective of my inner voice. And by releasing that desire to kind of be a nomad again, I was able to open myself up to this new home and like really putting down roots here. I'm very happy for you. That's that's outstanding. I'm very happy for you. So do you have any advice for anybody that's going through the same thing that you've gone through? Yeah. So everyone's journey is unique. Um, and I'll just say that. And our inner voices are unique. And really, you know, there's no right or wrong way to connect to one's inner voice. Um, you know, you can do like a writing. I love to journal and just say, you know, inner voice, like, what would you like me to know today? You can kind of just turn it on as like a radio station in your head. Um, You can have a, you know, a session facilitated. However it is, if you just, you know, ask your inner voice, like send me tingles in my body when this is right, like that's a way. Um, But I think just being open to pursuing your own unique path and to take your time. Um, You know, once when I closed my jewelry business, I was like, okay, I give myself like three months and then I'm going to start building something new. And here I am, you know, five, six months after the closing and like eight months after I made the decision. And I still don't fully know what, what is next for me. I'm just dabbling and exploring and having fun and that's okay. Well, let's talk about a couple of those. You're you are a coach, correct? Yeah. So I facilitate inner voice sessions, and then I also do like coaching and consulting for small business owners um, and people wanting to start businesses. And then I also have recently started to do some freelance work, so doing like marketing, social media strategy, and then some like website and graphic design as well, which are all things that. I kind of learned through owning my own business. Well, you listen to your inner voice again, and you're sharing that with others, especially from a creative perspective. Yeah. And so what I really love about everything that I do now is that it is so guided by my inner voice. And if my, if I don't get excited by it, then I won't do it. And, you know, when I'm helping clients, you know, I'm exchanging energy with them. And I'm also listening to my inner voice of like, maybe how to best guide them. That's a good thing. Um, What inspires you? What inspires me? Um, Nature, my surroundings, and traveling. I really love experiencing other cultures and just 
seeing, you know, people and what makes them tick. I think people fascinate me. Yeah, I'm a people watcher myself. May come from, I guess, watching people all the time on, as a cop, <laughs> I guess, but n not in a negative way, in, in a positive way. I, yeah. It, it, you know, I got into the entertainment field after I left the police department in the beginning. And, um, you know, you become a people watcher. If you're writing a screenplay, you look at the people and you watch what they're doing. And you, uh, and you kind of get to know people. But in my job, I really had to get to watch people and learn people and see body language. And, you know, it, and it, to me, it was fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, I'm just, I'm such a curious person. And I love... I love good stories and I love hearing people's stories. Um, I'm a writer as well. And so I just love capturing human moments. Well, that brings you to your podcast. You have a podcast. It's called The Floating Experiment. Yes. So I just started my podcast. The Floating Experiment was actually something that was born from my inner voice training. During the training, my inner voice just kept saying, Kim, like float, just float, just swim, just float. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so this idea came about, it actually first came to me years ago in therapy. And my therapist was like, you know, I was feeling really stuck, couldn't get to where I wanted to go. And she was like, Kim, like you're swimming against the current. Why don't you just turn around and float for a while? So that theme came up again during inner voice training. And that's what my podcast is all about is how can I release resistance from my life? And, you know, am I swimming against the current or am I allowing the current to take me to wherever I'm going? And, you know, that's represented in, in alignment and flow for me. How can somebody find your podcast? Yeah. So it's on Spotify, on Apple podcasts. You can also go to the floating experiment.com where I share just my writing in addition to the podcast. And if somebody wanted to come with, to you for inner voice training and or uh, coaching, life coaching, how would they reach you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Kim Kogani or at KimKogani.com. And that's K-I-M-K-O-G-A-N-E.com. And I'll have those things in the um, show notes for everybody so it's easy access to, for them to find you. And it's a great podcast. I listen to all your episodes. Um, I think that you have a, a fantastic um opportunity to help people and let them think and kind of open up a little bit to they understand that there's something else maybe available to them. So kudos for that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, my biggest goal is really to, to live my life in the most true and authentic way to myself and to show people that that is available for them as well. And that all of the answers that they need are inside themselves. And I'm here to, to guide people and turn them inward. Okay. This is one more thing before you go. So are there any words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're feeling really stressed out and anxious, um, to take a moment of pause and ask yourself, am I swimming against the current or am I floating? That's amazing. Outstanding words of wisdom. Kim, thank you very much for sharing your journey and for uh, uh, talking with me today. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. You've kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And we have some things in common that uh, I think that shows that we're all connected in this universe. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed sharing my story and it's really just so interesting to meet people and see where, where there's common ground and similar experiences. I, I agree with that. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.